This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, konnichiwa. Nikki Young here, back with my true crime podcast series, Serial Napper. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard that there's a large Black Lives Matter movement happening in the States. It's one that has been happening for years now, in and out of the media, as huge headlining events like the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor murders happened. With that came a wave of varying Facebook images, some showing peaceful protests, police brutality, riots, just a whole range of things happening. One image that I saw shared around quite a bit last year featured a little boy of color holding a sign that said, free hugs. In the next image, the same little boy is seen hugging a police officer with tears in his eyes. And when I saw this, I thought to myself, as most people did, what a beautiful image. Unfortunately, the truth of this photo and the events that occurred after this photo will break your heart in the most unimaginable ways. When I dug into this story, I couldn't believe that it didn't get more media coverage than what I found. Now, you need to hear this, even though it's definitely going to hurt. Before we jump into it, I have a couple of things I wanted to announce. So that project that I had mentioned I was working on is now live over on my Facebook page. So I have launched my first true crime scavenger hunt, and I'm starting with the Evelyn Dick case. All of the locations are in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, for all those details, make sure you hop on over on Facebook at Serial Napper, and you can find out exactly what you need to do. It's a really cool, interactive true crime scavenger hunt that you can do in Hamilton just using your phone and I've hidden these little marvels all around the city you can go and find them it's going to be a lot of fun if you can find all five locations in the month of August you're going to be entered to win a don't be a Dahmer t-shirt like I said all of the details are over on my Facebook page at Serial Napper so go on over there and check it out 
The other thing I wanted to mention, I've had several of you asking how you can further support me. Um, So I have created a Patreon page. Um, I just want you to know if you can't afford it, that is okay. The biggest way you can support me, honest to God, is just by listening to my podcast. That is literally the best way to support me. But for those of you who are looking for a little bit of extra, there is a Patreon page set up. If you go on to patreon.com slash serial napper, there's three different tiers that you can sign up for. So there is the angel of death tier, which is only $2 a month. With the angel of death tier, you can connect with me and give me ideas on what kind of cases you'd like me to cover. Or if there's a specific case you'd like me to cover, you can send in a request and you'll also get a shout out on an episode. The Black Widow tier is $4 a month, so you get both of those things. You can recommend cases for me to do. You'll also get a shout out, and you'll get one bonus episode a month, one ad-free bonus episode every single month. For $6 a month, there's the John and Jane Doe tier, so you get all the same benefits. You get fan requests for cases you want me to do. You get a shout out on an episode. You get that one bonus episode that's ad-free every single month, and you get a backstage pass. So you get to see exactly what I'm looking into, what I'm working on, what cases are coming next, all of the different process behind my research and my recording. It's basically just like a backstage pass to see what I'm up to. So like I said, literally the best way you can support me is just by listening to me. But if you were looking for a little bit of extra added bonuses, make sure you head on over to my Patreon. And of course, if you have any suggestions for different Patreon membership perks that you'd like to see, um, feel free to send those along too. This is just what I've set up so far, but I am completely open to new ideas. All right, that's it for business. Let's jump right into it. So I talked about that photo, the one with the little boy with tears in his eyes hugging the police officer. Well, the little boy in that photo was Devante Hart. That picture gained national attention when he was photographed in tears while hugging a white police officer during a 2014 protest in Portland, Oregon. Devante was adopted by the Hart family in 2008 when he was just six years old, which most people would think to be a blessing. However, it sadly led to the tragic events that would happen to him when he was only 15 years old. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about the Hart family dynamic and how these circumstances all came to be. Jennifer Jean Hart and Sarah Margaret Hart were a white, middle-class, same-sex couple, both from South Dakota. The pair met and began dating while attending Northern State University, where they majored in elementary education with a focus on special education. Both of the ladies' families were closed-minded when it came to LGBT relationships, and so when they first began their relationship, they kept it a secret from most people they knew— Jen would actually describe on Facebook how she purposely called Sarah her friend or her roommate back then. When they finally did make their relationship public, they received a ton of backlash from both of their families. This is when they decided to start fresh and move to Alexandra, Minnesota in 2004, before they wound up in Clark County, Washington. 
It was around this time when Jennifer and Sarah, who were in their mid-20s, decided to take in a 15-year-old foster child who has not been named due to her age when this happened. Now, being in your mid-20s, considering adopting a 15-year-old foster child doesn't seem like a very common thing, but they always felt like they wanted children in their life, and so this was a great stepping stone for them to start the whole adoption process. When speaking of this time in her life, their former foster daughter said that Sarah was very quiet while Jen was outgoing and lively. They did a lot of fun family things together, like camping, and the first six months that she lived with them was actually really good. But then some tension started to arise. For one, the foster daughter was a bit of a tomboy, and Sarah and Jen would try to make her over into more of a girly girl. They also wouldn't let her leave the house unless it was to go to work at Subway or for going to school. Maybe they were just trying to protect her, or maybe they were, you know, just trying their best. They were only in their 20s, so it's kind of difficult to say. The foster daughter said she always knew the Hearts planned to adopt children, and she was excited at the prospect of having siblings in the home. However, it wasn't meant to be. A week before the adopted children were set to arrive from Texas, the foster daughter was dropped off at her therapist, who informed her then that Jen and Sarah would not be coming back for her and that she would be going to live with another family. It was literally as quick and as cold as that. Sarah and Jen hadn't even bothered to say goodbye to the girl. The foster daughter felt completely devastated and abandoned, but looking ahead at what would happen in the future, it appears it was a blessing in disguise. Sarah and Jen went on with their adoption plan. The children they adopted were Marcus, Hannah, Devante, Abigail, Jeremiah, and Sierra. There were two sets of black biological siblings adopted by a set of white same-sex mothers, which is unusual, of course, but by many accounts of people who knew them, they were said to be a loving family. In a Facebook post, Jen dramatically described her first night as a mother of three. Abigail urinated everywhere and gashed her chin, falling down the stairs. Hannah smeared feces on the wall and gorged herself with food until she needed the Heimlich, resulting in episodes of projectile vomiting. That's what she wrote on Facebook. But they maintained that they were committed to caring for these children because if not for them, then who? Friends called them the Heart Tribe. Within a year, the women spent at least 15 hours training on topics like racial diversity excitement and helping abused kids in care heal. They seemed to be doing everything right, and while there were numerous photos of a smiling, happy unit on social media, beneath the surface were hints of abuse, hints that you might only see if you looked a little longer and harder than you should. Jennifer became a stay-at-home mom to take care of the kids while Sarah worked as a manager at Kohl's. The Hearts received most of their income through funding from the state of Texas, which was used to cover the cost of raising the children. Actually, almost 50%, 50% of the family income was made up of Texas funding. 
Allegations of abuse first began in 2008, just a couple of years after adopting all six of the children. Hannah was seen with bruises on her left arm, and when a teacher had asked her about it, she said she had been hit by Jennifer with a belt. Both women told police and a social worker that Hannah had fallen down a set of stairs. Isn't that usually the story? Within months, all six children had been pulled out of school, and Jennifer began to homeschool them. It seems that they were sick of people looking and staring and digging into their business, and they wanted to keep things in the home. And while the family posted hundreds of happy, smiling photos of their road trips to parks and festivals on Facebook, in reality, the family was extremely isolated. Their three boys and three girls almost never interacted with anyone outside of their mother's network of friends. Neighbors rarely saw the children or visitors at the home. The hearts would be reported to child welfare officials for suspected abuse and neglect eight more times. In 2010, Abigail Hart said that she had injuries on her back and stomach. The incident was supposedly over a penny. Abigail said she found it, but her parents didn't believe her. And according to Abigail, this led to her head being held under cold water while being hit by Jennifer Hart. This is when the authorities became involved and more information began to leak. The children claimed that they had been spanked constantly and had food withheld from them. Sarah, however, took responsibility for the abuse. She pled guilty to assault and she was sentenced to community service for a year. But the children stayed with them. Now, I have no idea why the children would stay with them after something like this happens, but they did. To ease Jennifer's workload of homeschooling all six children, they were enrolled in school, but this meant that their injuries could no longer be so easily hidden. In 2011, Hannah reportedly told a school nurse that she had not eaten all day. In response to this, Sarah claimed that Hannah was merely playing the food card and recommended that Hannah just be given water. So again, all six children were taken out of public schools and were homeschooled from then onward. They just couldn't handle the attention and the heat. In 2013, Jennifer and the children visited a friend, and the woman was so worried, this friend was so worried about the discipline she witnessed that she called Oregon Child Welfare Authorities after the visit. She described the children as robotic and reliant upon their mother for permission to eat and use the restroom. According to her, at Jennifer Hart's command, the children, then ages 8 to 14, formed a single file line and waited for their turn to go to the bathroom. This was kind of alarming to the friend. An investigation began, but it dragged on for months. And still, while this happened, the children remained with the women. Even a doctor had noted that all of the children were so undersized that all but one of their heights and weights did not register on growth charts for children the same age. But unfortunately, according to authorities and the paperwork, there just wasn't enough concrete evidence to remove the children from the home. The abuse happening in secret at home was glossed over by public videos and posts on social media that portrayed a happy family. 
they were constantly put on Facebook and YouTube, doing crafts, spending time together. But I had a look at a lot of the photos and videos, and it's kind of apparent to me that these children are underweight, severely underweight. In one YouTube video posted by Jennifer, Devante is seen dancing with the other children singing, We are so provided for. Like, what the hell? My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day, because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious, with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 
50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code NAPPER50 at factormeals.com slash NAPPER50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Now, that brings us to 2014, where that famous photo of Devante hugging a police officer at the demonstration in Portland, Oregon, to protest police violence happened. The image went viral. It's easy to see why. Devante looks incredibly pained. And knowing what we know now, one might wonder if it was really a reflection of what was happening to him and his siblings at home. Jennifer Hart told friends the photo generated countless messages of hate, and people were even threatening their lives. And so it was time to make their final move away from the spotlight for a bit. The family bought their rural woodland property in May of 2017. It's here that the family would have a run-in with one of the neighbors, leading to a more thorough investigation that would unfortunately come too late. At approximately 1.30 a.m. in the morning, little Hannah rang the neighbor's doorbell. The small, frightened girl was wrapped in a fleece blanket with twigs in her hair. When the neighbor, Bruce, answered, she said she lived next door and had jumped out of her second-floor window. Hide me, she pleaded. They whip us with a belt. Hannah was a teenager at the time, but the neighbors thought she was maybe six or seven years old because she was so small. The neighbors were not only shocked by what the little girl was saying, but they had actually no idea that the Hearts even had children. In the three months that the Hearts had been living there, they had exchanged hellos with both Jennifer and Sarah, but they had never seen any children. Like, literally, no children playing outside, no sign of any children in the windows, nothing. Hannah, the little girl, ran into the home and up the stairs to where Bruce's wife, Dana, had been sleeping. She yelled to her, You gotta help. Please protect me. Don't make me go back. They're racists and they abuse us. Outside, Sarah and Jen were walking around with flashlights, looking for Hannah and calling her name. They walked up to the neighbor's home and straight through the door, continuing to call Hannah's name. They found Hannah upstairs in the bedroom, balled up between the bed and the dresser, hiding from her parents. Dana agreed to give Sarah and Jen a moment alone with Hannah, and after that happened, the three just went home, with Hannah staring at the floor as she walked downstairs, out the door, and back to her house. Later, Jennifer would try to explain it all. She said the kids were adopted and had been drug babies. She said that Hannah was bipolar and struggling with the death of their cat. At this time, Hannah handed over a note written in green ink, and I'll read to you what it said. Dear Dana and Bruce, I stopped this morning because I feel awful about disturbing your peace and worrying you in the middle of the night. I was very frustrated with my brother and I didn't handle things very maturely and I'm sorry for telling lies to get attention. I'm working on being more honest and finding better ways to communicate my frustration. I've been sad about two of our cats dying recently, so I was just very sad and frustrated last night. Thank you for being kind. Hannah. 
Obviously, this letter sounds coached. I guess that's just my personal opinion. And Dana, of course, when she got this note, she wanted to report what had happened to authorities, but her husband was reluctant to create drama with the new neighbors. Eventually, she ended up telling her 80-year-old dad about Hannah's visit and what had happened and what the little girl had said, and her dad would later go on to call 911 about Hannah's visit. Here is a recording of the call. Four black children, which that part doesn't matter, and they're, they're new here in Texas, but the other night, a little girl jumped out of the second-story window on the roof and then down onto the ground and ran to my daughter, and this is like 2 in the morning begging them to help her to help her when did that happen uh, about three four nights ago okay and my son-in-law doesn't want to get involved but the more i sit on it i, I just can't live with it somebody's got to okay. go there and check and on so how old was the little kid that did that that ran to your daughter's house about 12 years old 13 and when they came looking for her, she was begging my daughter not to let them know she was there. And then eventually my son-in-law let them know. And then she had all four of the kids come back later and to say everything was okay. And they were all standing at attention like they were just scared to death. And I think there's something very serious going on there. And they're here from Texas. The kids might even be kidnapped. Okay. And um, so, did the girl ever say why she was scared? No, she uh, she was crying, and, and it was 2 in the morning, and my daughter said the biggest problem was she's half awake. She couldn't believe what was going on. And, okay. and, and basically, my son-in-law is like most people. They don't want to get involved, and so he's keeping my daughter out of it but since she's told me about it i just can't live with it i'm very concerned for these kids i just can't let this go any longer those kids i think is in very serious danger someone from the county sheriff's office called dana and bruce to ask whether there had been more incidents and dana explained what she had observed The kids were almost always indoors they were never outside they were hardly even seen but she was told it's not illegal to keep kids inside. And so basically there was no other follow-up from there. But it wasn't long until Devante would start showing up on their doorstep asking for food, saying that his parents were withholding food as punishment. He begged them, he begged the neighbors not to tell his parents that he was there or to call police because he was afraid of splitting up his family. She decided that she had to do something anyway, so she contacted the state's child welfare agency on Friday, March 23rd, 2018. But unfortunately, it would be too late before the children could be taken away. That afternoon, a CPS worker coming to visit the Hart House saw Jen's Yukon pull into the driveway. So she went up, she rang the bell minutes later, but no one answered. So she left her business card in the door. Now, the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services would later say that they attempted to contact the family on three separate occasions, March 23rd, 26th, and 27th. However, they were unable to reach them. On March 24th, 
the family car was gone from the driveway. The neighbors noted that it just it wasn't there. So they figured that maybe the family had simply wanted to get away for a little while. Sarah had been scheduled to open Kohl's at 6 a.m. that morning, but at 3 a.m. she texted her co-worker saying, I am so sorry. I thought I would be able to go to work, but I'm too sick to come in. On Sunday morning, a surveillance camera in a Fort Bragg Safeway captured Jen in eyeglasses and a hoodie, paying $20.08 in cash for groceries using her club card for discounts. She was alone. The children were nowhere to be seen. On Monday afternoon, a Coles co-worker called 911 and requested that a welfare check be done on Sarah, who had uncharacteristically missed work all weekend and hadn't responded to texts. Sarah had been acting really unusual lately at work for the past few weeks, and now she had just not shown up, so they were worried. An assistant manager at Coles also said Sarah would be very concerned if Jennifer texted or called her at work, sometimes exiting the room in a panic and tearing up during heated phone calls. Sarah told the manager that Jennifer struggled with depression and mentioned to another coworker that Jennifer would actually just stay in bed all day and cry all the time. So it appeared that the family unit really began to fall apart around this time. At 3.38 p.m. on Monday, March 26, 2018, a German tourist called the authorities because she had spotted a brown sports utility vehicle upside down in the Pacific Ocean. The vehicle belonged to the Hearts. Jennifer Hart was found at the wheel. Her wife, Sarah Hart, was trapped between the roof and the seats in the back. Both were dead. Within about three weeks, it took three weeks' time to find this, the authorities would also discover the remains of four of the Hart's six children, Marcus, who was 19, Jeremiah, 14, Abigail, 14, and Sierra, 12, and declare them all dead, too. They eventually discovered the skeletal remains inside a woman's shoe and announced that they had belonged to 16-year-old Hannah. Devante, who was 15 at the time of this crash, is still considered to be missing. He has never been found, but of course, he is also presumed dead. It was clear that this was a murder-suicide, not an accident. Jennifer Hart aimed the family's GMC Yukon toward the Pacific Ocean and stepped on the gas pedal as hard as she could. The forensic pathologist who performed autopsies on six heart family members said toxicology tests showed toxic levels of Benadryl in Sarah Hart's system and extremely high levels of Benadryl in the three children. Based on the amount in her blood, Sarah Hart must have taken at least 42 doses. The blood tests also revealed that Jennifer Hart had consumed the equivalent of five shots of alcohol. Another key piece of evidence in this case was Sarah Hart's phone. Less than four hours after the family set out from their home, Sarah Hart began a series of searches about death by suicide, drugs, and drowning. When investigators searched through the Hart home after their deaths, they found empty picture frames hung on the walls. In the room where the kids slept were two small beds and a mattress on the floor. That's it. There were no personal effects. 
Other than a few board games and a library of few books, investigators found that the home didn't appear to even have children living in it. This is another story of how the system has completely failed these children who were taken from their parents with hopes of giving them a better home. And even after all of the abuse allegations coming from the neighbors, friends, and even the children themselves, nothing was ever done. So go look at that photo of Devante again and listen closely to the real story. In December 2014, after a Ferguson, Missouri grand jury refused to indict a white police officer who had killed a black teen, the Hart family appeared at a Black Lives Matter protest in Portland. For Sarah and Jen, this was basically another photo opportunity to show how loving and giving they were, to show how honorable they were for adopting six children of color. There, Devante, who was in tears and wearing a fedora and leather jacket and carrying a free hug sign that his parents either created or forced him to create, approached a cop in riot gear. The cop would later tell reporters that he'd said to the boy, I'm sorry, and asked him for a hug. However, a Portland photographer who was there documenting the event saw the whole picture. He said, Devante was crying before approaching the officer while he was talking to his guardian, presumably because he was terrified. This brings the question of coercion in my mind. Marcus, 19, Jeremiah and Abigail, both 14, Devante, 15, Hannah, 16, and Sierra, 12, all killed at the hands of their adoptive parents. I refuse to say mothers because they were anything but. So, if you see that photo of Devante floating around, remember him and his siblings and the real war that they were fighting. That's it for me tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. That's S-E-R-I-A-L-N-A-P-P-E-R. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper, or I'm on YouTube. You can search for me by my username, which is Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And as I've mentioned before, I would love it if you could give me a review, a rating, whatever you got on whatever app you are currently listening to me on. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.